Hello and welcome to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm your host, Prudence Robertson. Waiting for Jesus like Mary. As we prepare for Christmas and the coming of her son, we look to Mary to inspire us in our work to defend unborn lives. Renowned author Carrie Gress shares about Mary's power to bring souls to Christ with her message of peace, conversion, and love. The vocation to motherhood. Mallory Carroll, former vice president of communications at Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, joins us to share about her transition from working full-time in the pro-life movement to becoming a wife and mother. She provides insight into how we can ask Mary to guide our each and every step. Little Spark of Life. We're joined by Courtney Sebring, author of a new book that helps children learn about their younger siblings as they grow in their mother's womb, teaching them that every new life is a gift from God. As we approach Christmas, we want to dedicate tonight's episode to Mary, the mother of God, and honor her immaculate conception. Our foundress, Mother Angelica, once explained why God preserved Mary from the stain of original sin from the moment of her conception. Would you expect the Lord God, Father, to design a tabernacle for his son that was spotted in the Old Testament you could not even sacrifice a spot on a lamb. That lamb had to be absolutely, totally perfect before you slaughtered it for Passover. Perfect. Any blemish, out it went. And so you really don't expect our sweet mother to have a blemish of even an imperfection on her soul, do you? Her immaculate conception was so awesome because she never had the slightest blemish of sin. Through her yes to God, our Blessed Mother points us to her son. As we approach a new year of reporting on life and the family, we pray she might wrap us in her mantle and make us more perfect vessels of the truth. We, of course, look to Mary as the perfect example of femininity, Sadly, the beauty of femininity is often overlooked and even erased in today's world. Scholar and author Carrie Gress discusses in her writings that the feminist movement is steeped in Marxism, selling women the idea that motherhood is a chore and women need to be more like men to find happiness. And Carrie Gress joins us now. She is the author of The Anti-Mary Exposed and fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. Carrie, you've written that the feminist movement in your earlier book, Anti-Mary Exposed, is very anti-Mary. And in your book, you wrote about this chant that early feminists claimed as their motto. The chant involves vowing to destroy the American family and promote promiscuity, abortion, and homosexuality. Can you just mm -hmm. explain how this is a total rejection of the Marian spirit? Yeah, no, I, I think this was a startling chant. And, you know, everybody who hears it is, um, you know, sort of blood chilling because of the fact that it's um, it's so powerful and it's been so effective, too, right. uh, in terms of really turning the culture against 
the family. Um, the, the real target was the, what the patriarchy in this chant was to try and take away the authority from men and really shift it to women. And um, this, again, was was the Marxist effort really to try and masculinize women. And I think that's that's the question that fem- that feminism has been asking from the beginning is how do we make women more like men with the perception that men actually had a, a better, easier life. And so that was what this was promoting. And, you know, if you think about it, it was back in the early 1970s when this chant was was being said by Kate Millett and others. And um, all of these things have come to pass. You know, all of these things were very uncommon in the culture at that stage. And now, you know, we're, we're living and breathing them every day in the culture. So right. it's amazing to see how successful they have been in turning women away from femininity and the family and and certainly men as well. Yes, the, the feminist movement has been tragically effective. And of course, mm-hmm. the solution to that anti-Marian spirit is our Blessed Mother. How can our society turn to Mary to solve this crisis that we're now in because of the feminist movement? Well, one of the interesting things that I discovered in my research was what was really specifically being targeted about women. And, um, you know, you hear stories, uh, Sue Ellen Browder talks about it in her work with Cosmopolitan Magazine, was that when she wrote for Cosmo, she said she could write about anything um, about women. She could even make things up, but she couldn't talk about virgins and she couldn't talk about mothers. And of course, who is our lady but the virgin mother? Um, So that's who's really being targeted in this. And I think that if you look and see what's happened to the culture, you know, one of the things that happens when you take women out of the picture is it's very difficult for people to understand a relationship with Our Lady and and certainly with God and these feminine attributes of that motherhood can can bring to people. This kind of nurturing, loving, very healing kind of um, love that women offer to to people. And so when you take Mary out of the picture and when you really target this aspect of the maternal in women, then you're going to be left with a society that's lumping, that's you know that's broken, that doesn't really know what it means to be loved in a properly ordered way. Um, nor do we know how to to reach back to God through Our Lady through her intercession, okay. uh, because she, as a symbol of motherhood as that's destroyed, that icon is destroyed, it makes it much more difficult to reach back to Jesus. Well, absolutely. And motherhood is the foundation of our society in many ways. Our society depends on mothers. Carrie, what can Mary teach our culture about being a mom? You know, I think one of the things that's really remarkable about motherhood is that it automatically makes you very vulnerable. Um, I've had five children, and I know, you know, there's a few, few things as vulnerable as that, a woman who's just given birth to a new baby, that, that, that combination. And I think that Mary obviously shows us that the strength and the perseverance that comes from motherhood, that fierceness of love. But she's also a great reminder of that tenderness, that, in, you know, that innate bond that happens between mother and child. And I think this is one of the things the culture has really severed because of feminism. And it's told us that, you know, children are actually an obstacle to our happiness instead of an avenue to it. And this is what she models so, so well is that love between mother and child. Absolutely. And Carrie, Christmas is fast approaching. Um, Talk to me about how you and your family honor Mary during Advent, are there any special traditions or practices that um, that you guys do year to year? You know, I think Advent is such an amazing time, certainly for my family, but just for the church in general, because of the fact that it's the one time of year that we actually get to see Catholic culture in its glory. You know, everywhere we look, whether it's nativity scenes out on roads and, and in front of churches and places like that, Christmas lights, all of that decoration. Um we, of course, you know, do a lot of the, those great stables. We have a nativity scene in our home and, you know, all the Advent um, 
candles and the Jesse tree, those kinds of things we've added onto it and just try, try and understand salvation history. Um, but I think even more so really I, what I'm trying to impress upon my children is the beauty of the Holy family and that, that, you know, the genius of God in terms of making, allowing God to come into the world through a family and the protection of Joseph and the, the love of our lady and that the, the way that they all really fit together in this incredibly beautiful way that I think is so lost in the, the culture today. So yeah. that that's really what we're, we're focusing on. And I know I'm spending a lot of time meditating on that myself in terms of how do we reclaim some of this and, and bring, you know, bring this back to our own culture, not just at Christmas, but year round. It's beautiful. And Carrie, again, Christmas is around the corner. And I know after the anti-Mary exposed, you published another book just this year. Um, would you like to share a little bit about it in case anybody's looking for a last <laughs> minute Christmas present for someone? Sure. Yeah, this is uh, this book is kind of a prequel almost to the anti-Mary exposed. It's called The End of Woman. And it uh, is basically a, a secular argument for understanding what's happened with women and the way in which feminism has really damaged not just women, but men and children and the whole fabric of, of society. And, you know, I think it's a, a book like this can be challenging because um, there's so many harsh elements of it. But the last chapter really ends on, I think, a beautiful reflection on women that I've had people say they just cried through the whole last chapter because yeah. it was so beautiful to see really what women can be if we allow them to be women instead of telling them to be like men. Yes, absolutely. It's a very powerful book. I encourage all of our viewers to check it out. Carrie Gress, author and fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. Thanks as always for joining us. Merry Christmas. My pleasure. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Before we reflect more on our Blessed Mother, we want to make sure you have the news moving our nation this week. First up, a recent report shows that the federal government funneled nearly $2 billion to the abortion industry over the span of three years. The money was spent between 2019 and 2021. House GOP members requested information on that funding period in January of 2022, and a report was just issued to them this month nearly two years later. Most of this money was spent by the Department of Health and Human Services and the U.S. Agency for International Development, working in tandem with Planned Parenthood and its international affiliate, MSI, Reproductive Choices. Senator Marsha Blackburn says that Planned Parenthood, quote, illegally siphoned portions of this money during the COVID-19 outbreak when small businesses needed it. Representative Chris Smith lamented the fact that instead, these funds were used to end the lives of over one million children at the height of the pandemic. Next up, New Jersey's Attorney General Matthew Platkin subpoenas a pro-life pregnancy center. Lawyers representing the pro-life center argue they are being targeted for their religious views and pro-life mission. This is the latest move by the Attorney General in what can only be described as an all-out assault on pro-life resource centers in New Jersey. Platkin repeatedly claims that pro-life centers are, quote, deceptive. He has even assembled what he calls a reproductive rights strike force that is dedicated to, quote, using every available resource to aid abortionists in ending the lives of New Jersey's children. And last up, before we go to the break, something to be celebrated. A new report from the Charlotte Lozier Institute shows that pro-life pregnancy resource centers provided over $350 million worth of services and support to women in 2022, the year that Roe v. Wade was overturned. These centers assisted more than 16 million individuals and client satisfaction was rated at 97%. 
And on that happy note, here's what's coming up. We hear from a mom who used to work full-time in the pro-life movement who will certainly be a familiar face to many of you. She'll share about her call to motherhood and how we can look to Mary as we discern and live out each of our vocations. Plus, a new book aims to help young children learn about how babies grow in the womb. We speak with the author of this sweet book after the break. You're watching EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Welcome back to our program. Not only can we look to Mary as the perfect example of what it means to be a woman, but also, of course, the perfect mother. Mary gave her life for Christ in more ways than one. Not only did she agree to carry him in her womb and raise him to adulthood, she also gave her fiat freely, knowing that one day her son would give his own life to save each one of us. To reflect on Mary's motherhood, we thought it would be fitting to have someone join us who is a mom herself. Mallory Carroll is the former Vice President of Communications at Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, and it's an honor to welcome her back to Pro-Life Weekly. Mallory, thanks for being here. Welcome back. Thank you so much, Prudence, for having me. It's an honor to be here to talk about this topic especially. Of course. Will you share with us what you've been up to since your time at SBA? I know you've been very busy. Yes. So... I have transitioned to be um, at home full time. My husband and I are really blessed that um, that this is possibility for our family. And I'm home uh, with my son, John Colby, who just turned a year old last month. And we're expecting our second child early uh, in the new year, actually on um, the Feast of Mary, Our Lady Help of Christians. So we're really excited about that. Uh, Mary has really had us under her mantle this, this whole year as we sort of watch um, the the beauty and awe uh, of the world through the eyes of a small child. And I've just learned so much in this last year, watching my son uh, learn and explore this, this beautiful world that we're living in. It's so wonderful, and we're so happy for you and your family. Mallory, talk to me more about your transition from working full-time in the pro-life movement to becoming a wife and mother. We know that before this phase of your life, many of our viewers know that you and I work together at SBA, um, but what has this new phase has been like for you? It has certainly been a huge change, going from the hustle and bustle of politics and advocacy and feeling, um, you know, the, the huge, the mission of of fighting and advocating for the unborn and for women right. and, and in a big picture sense and wanting to, uh, you know, taking the, the whole pro-life cause on our individual shoulders and, of course, as a group and to, to really... Um, zoom in and focus on just one life and what can I do to serve this individual right before me this small child that needs to feel my love and who needs to be looked at with that look of love that that we all crave um, and to be Christ-like for my child and sacrificing so it's definitely been a change um, it's been a difficult change I certainly miss uh, the pro-life movement, and I certainly miss my friends and seeing them day to day, but um, I know that this is where God is calling me to be in at this moment, and that also gives me a strong sense of purpose and, and getting up each day to serve my husband and my son. Yes, absolutely. Such an important part of our movement, perhaps the most important part. Um, Mallory, talk to me about your relationship with Our Lady. I know you have a special devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, and Our Mother Mary is the perfect example of 
being there for that one child who, you know, makes so much of a difference. <laughs> she really is. Mary <laughs> is just, gosh, I mean, of all the, the, the queen of all saints, right, to, to have Mary as my patron. And, you know, Our Lady of Guadalupe, she is the patroness of our country, of the Americas, of the pro-life movement, of the unborn. So there is, um, I had a huge devotion to her when I was working at SBA Pro-Life America, and then to relate to her in a different way as I contemplated on her as the, the Mary who we see uh, appearing as pregnant, um, and her gentleness as a mother. You know, when you read the story of the conversion of the pe people native to Mexico and the violence um, between the, the Spanish and the Aztecs at the time and how they wouldn't have been moved by um, the, the bloody sacrifice of Christ. Their hearts needed something different. Mm. They needed um, a matriarch, a pregnant woman, and that she appeared to them. And then we saw this amazing mass conversion. And so I think about Mary and the power of that of that quietness, of that um, that sort of meekness, Mary's meekness. I spend a lot of time reflecting on that, and how um, in her unique and special womanly way, her her motherhood, that such great change came about. You know, and so when even though I'm I'm at home and I'm just reacting reacting and, and interacting with just one life, you know, and, and whoever else happens to be there that day, we are so blessed to have great family and friends nearby and our neighbors and the mailman, you know, stopping by, that 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 this um, witness of my motherhood really can change the world. Yes. And the way to Christ is through her mother. So yes. for so many. Mallory, for new moms out there, or if there's anyone watching this who might be contemplating taking a step back from their career and considering motherhood the way that you did, what's a word of advice you might have for them? It, it requires so much discernment, mm. um, you know, talking to Mary and Jesus, talking to your guardian angel, what is right for your family. It is, um, it, either way, it's a huge sacrifice and just know that um, God is with you through it all and that Mary wants to come alongside you, put her under her mantle of protection and help you to make the best, the best choice. And that, um, you know, especially I think about the women who are uh, contemplating abortion and who are unsure about being a mother, you know, that, that Mary will give you the, the tools that you need and Jesus will intercede for you um, if you ask mm -hmm. and that it is truly the greatest blessing. Mary, we have about a minute left and just while we have you, I'm curious if you could kind of speak to where our movement is today and kind of what the next step you see being, you know, we have an important election coming up in 2024. Um, we still have a lot of work to do to continue to save lives even after the overturn of Roe. What's your take on the state of our movement? Oh, gosh, that we have to um, redouble our efforts, especially with prayer. Um, we had this incredible victory uh, with the Dobbs decision and returning the the voice to the people. Uh, but the, with that comes the opportunity for Satan to filter in the lies. And we've seen in these state battles, you know, especially in the places where there have been ballot initiatives, yes. just the, the um, energy that Satan has to keep abortion on demand, the law of the land, and, and in, through whatever means possible. And so... We have to stay dedicated in whatever way we can. You know, um, my work in the pro-life movement looks a little bit different now. Um, 
but that we have to stay engaged, whether it's state and local fights. We, of course, cannot take our eyes off what's happening at the federal level. Um, there's still so much more to do and to come back to Jesus and Mary for that strength because we're going to need it in the future. Yes. Amen. Well said. Mallory, thank you for joining us, my friend. It's an honor to have you as always. Thank you. And to close out our program, a new book teaches children the hidden dignity of life in the womb. Little Spark of Life is a new book written by Courtney Sebring, who was inspired both by her daughter and her interest in, in pro-life work to author a book that would help young children learn about new children coming into the world. And Courtney joins us now to discuss her new book. Courtney, thanks for being here. Tell us more about what inspired you to create Little Spark of Life. Thanks for the opportunity, Prudence. Um, Little Spark of Life was inspired by my daughter's insatiable curiosity about babies and pregnancy, and also my own interest in the pro-life movement. So it's a mashup of my daughter's awe and wonder on the subject, and also what I was learning about pro-life apologetics as the time. So, I mean, as a result, it combines science um, from, you know, behind the question, where do babies come from with mm -hmm. specific truths surrounding the sanctity of human life. Mm, I love it. And Courtney, there's such a danger of kids becoming addicted to their screens and even being exposed mm. to books or other things in school that could chip away at their innocence. Your book, however, mm -hmm. it has such a pure message. Can you speak to mm. the importance of children having books like this at their fingertips? Absolutely. I mean, my hope is that Little Spark of Life will support the pro-life message and all messages of goodness, beauty, and truth through the long game that we as parents and caregivers show up to every day in our children's lives. Um, what we feed their imaginations as well as our own uh, directly influences the values that that we shape. I love this quote from a book called um, Books That Build Character. And it says, if you as a parent don't take steps to educate your child's imagination, it's almost a sure bet that his imagination will be seduced by the power of popular culture. So that's, mm. that is where we need to meet our kids because they're the future culture makers of our society. They're the future parents, artists, teachers, voters, you know, whatever we lay before right. them now as a feast for their imaginations absolutely is going to have an effect on the world that they build. That is such an important point. And Courtney, tell us more about what's included in the book. You mentioned a little bit um, the journey that it takes children on. Yeah, absolutely. So it goes week by week, month by month, and it explains the science behind um, the development of a human life in utero. Um, it also, like I said, talks about specific truths that, um, you know, are under attack right now. So as an example, uh, one line says, God decided that a new life should begin just like this, a near miss that explodes into a one of a kind kiss. So right there, our children get the, the message that God is the author of life rather than the belief that, hey, this is my life. I can do whatever I want with it. And also this is a one of a kind human, not just a clump of cells. Um, and there are many examples like that in the book. Mm. And Courtney, talk to me a little bit about the process of writing the book. I know it began as a poem. Um, talk yes. to me about that. Well, you know, I've always written poetry ever since I was a child. So Wonderful. how cool is it to come back to it as an adult and um, be able to write a book that uh, it combines, like I said, my daughter's joy and passion for uh, children and then 
you know, also my passion for the pro-life message. It, it started out as a poem. You're right. And it actually, you know, sat on my laptop for a few years mm -hmm. until I was presented the opportunity um, by Paraclete Press to get little spark of life out in the world, as my daughter says. Wow. Well, we are so glad it's out in the world now. And Christmas is just around the corner. For those yeah. moms and dads doing their last minute shopping, why should they buy this book from your perspective as the author? Oh, well, great idea. Um, great question. I mean, <laughs> I think that, um, you know, as we had talked about before, the message of the book is um, such an important message. But also right now around Christmas time, I think about how my daughter was as a young girl around Christmas time, she was already so interested in babies. And then with all the talk of baby Jesus yes. and how God came to earth as an infant, it just, you know, sparked even more questions in her. So I would highly recommend, uh, yeah, the parents picking it up for Christmas. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Perfect Christmas gift for sure. Courtney Sebring, author of Little Spark of Life. Thank you for joining us and congratulations on your book. Thank you. And that does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. We'll be back in the new year with a special episode. But for now, your EWTN Pro-Life Weekly team wishes you a Merry Christmas and a happy and holy new year. Don't forget, you can find us at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms, X, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. And if you're interested in more news from our nation and world, go to EWTN.com forward slash pro-life and sign up for our newsletter, The Pro-Life Pulse. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.